Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 343. These were the relationships that I created by doing the things that I did, by not just saying, no, we can't do that. What can we do to make this happen? Why do we have to say no? Why, do we, why don't we just say, yes, we've got these products. We've been, they're in the house. Why can't we make this special dish for them? We're creating customers for life. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Hiring a consultant to train your staff and to improve your restaurant can be expensive. Wouldn't it be awesome if you could just get advice from world champion baristas and leading restaurant consultants without spending thousands of dollars? Tipsy believes you should have the chance to learn new skills whenever you need to, which is why they have hundreds of hospitality courses available for only $9 a month. To give you a little something extra, as a restaurant unstoppable listener, you can also get 50% off your first month. All you gotta do is Click the tipsy banner in the show notes. Get on it. Are you opening a restaurant and stressing out with where to start? Or perhaps you've already opened your restaurant and you're finding yourself completely overwhelmed with the day-to-day tasks that only you know how to do. If you feel this way, I've got good news. You don't have to do it alone, nor should you regain control of your business and your life with restaurants owner.com and if you go to restaurantowner.com slash unstoppable you will get a 10 day pass for only one dollar get on it with excitement allow me to introduce to you today's guest chef tj Larosa. chef my man are you feeling unstoppable today Eric, I'm feeling absolutely unstoppable. Yes, that is what we like to hear. So originally from Malden, Massachusetts, Chef TJ LaRosa is a two-time transplant. He first moved to San Francisco where he got his first job working in a restaurant at the historic uh, Aliotos at Fisherman's Wharf. Uh, And in 1998, he would relocate again, this time to Texas. And in 2012, he opened Full Bellies Full, sorry, Full Bellies Restaurant located in Sherman, Texas. Obviously, we're just scraping the surface. We're going to learn a lot more about you today. Uh, but before we really dive in, let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us? Bob, I'm going to have to say no is not in the vocabulary. Yes is the answer. What was the question? Ooh, dive into that. What does that mean to you and why is that so impactful? Um, because you know, we are in the customer service business and I think in the restaurant industry, I think it's important that everyone gets taken care of everybody who walks through the front door. It doesn't matter if it's a president of the United States or if it's just, you know, somebody who's never been in the restaurant before. I want to give them the same dining experience from, from start to finish, no matter who they are. And yes, as long as we have those ingredients in house, we will do whatever we possibly can to make whatever request that you have happen. Beautiful. I love it. And uh, I gave the listeners just a kind of a taste of who you are, but uh, briefly tell us a little bit more about what you got going on now uh, with Full Bellies. Just give us a, a you know an aerial picture of what your, your deal is right now. Okay. Um, my wife and I and my oldest um, of three currently, um, she was starting school and we were in Dallas, California, or Dallas, Texas, sorry. 
And um, we were just sort of just spinning our wheels and, you know, just we were kind of done with the traffic. We were, you know, I was working with True Lux for 13 years and, you know, we decided to part ways. And uh, she is from Pottsboro, Texas. So we moved up here and um, I was working, believe it or not, at Chili's. Okay. Um, and uh, she got introduced to somebody who got introduced to somebody who got introduced to Bob and Honey Minshew, who own Kelly Square. Okay. So at the time... They were operating the restaurant inside Kelly Square on the mezzanine level. Um, and I, I remember it like it was yesterday. He's, he's, a, he's a big-time lawyer here in Sherman, Texas. He's been practicing law for over 50 years. He sat down and looked at me in the face and said, TJ, I don't know anything about the restaurant business, nor do I want to know anything about the restaurant business. So take it over. <laughs> My wife and I look at each other. And we said, all right, let's do it. So in 2012 of March, we, um, we put together a handful of investors. Uh, we um, pretty much got about half of our capital of what we were shooting for. And five and a half years later, here we are. You're doing great. And uh, I can't wait to really pull back the layers on how this all kind of unfolded, how you got the money, uh, what you learned along the way. But first, uh, where did it all start? What got you into the industry in the first place? Well, um, being from Massachusetts, my grandfather owned his own fishing boat out of Gloucester. You know, all the one, all the crazy ones come out of Gloucester. So <laughs> he used to uh, he used to go out and catch sword, and he owned his own restaurant, and it was called the La Rosa Inn. And I think that's where the love for the business came from. Okay. Um, so, so then, obviously, my first restaurant job at Aliotos, um, I experienced something that I've never experienced before. I'm going to slam on the brakes real quick, okay. Chef. You're doing yeah. great, but I don't want to go over what you just said or just drive by what you just said, with, which is that, that's where you fell in love. So reflecting back on that experience with your grandfather, specifically, what was it about that experience that you loved? Every day was a challenge. Every day was different. Mm. Um, you know, you, you, you just the experience of seeing people's faces when they're sitting down to have a dining experience. Um, just the, 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 the hard work, the effort, mm. uh, a combination of, of several different things. Yeah. And tell us a little bit more about your grandfather because I, I'm trying to imagine. Like I, I grew up – I live close to where you're from, uh, the Seacoast, Boston, uh, Massachusetts, New Hampshire area. I know what it's like to wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning and go fishing and spend six hours on the boat. And it kicks your ass. <laughs> and to think about doing that and then going to work and pulling – I don't know how many hours at a restaurant. What kind of man was your grandfather? Uh, he was, he was unbelievable. He was <laughs> unbelievable. I mean, your typical Bostonian, you yeah. know, I mean, to just, he'd, he'd do what he had to do. Just like I get up every single day and do what I have to do yeah. to, you know, take, take care of, take care of the family and take care of the business. And what was his attitude like? He was pretty positive. Actually, he was pretty yeah. positive. Always had a cigar in his mouth, you know, and, I tell you what, he, he was, he was, he, unfortunately we lost him a little too young, but, uh, he was a great guy. And what was it about him or what do you think it was for him that kept him, uh, going that, you know, what drove him to be able to have this endurance to pull crazy hours like that? Um, I think a lot of it had to do with family oriented, you know, mm. both of them, both my grandparents came over the boat from Sicily. Um, so they have the love for the family. Um, and it was not necessarily a chore, but it, it was a must it, he had to bring in money. To, to take care of the family. And that's, that's what it was. And I think that's, that, that, you know, drives a lot from, from my beliefs. And, um, you know, like you said, unstoppable, yeah. you just yeah. need to go and go and go. Great. So, okay. I cut you short. Uh, I, you're 
going on to the next stage in your life. Take it from there. Okay. So I uh, got a restaurant job at Aliotos, great seafood restaurant in San Francisco. Um, and then I, you know, went to college, played some baseball, uh, got, got a degree in environmental studies, believe it or not. Um, and then mom and dad relocated to Texas and they're like, well, you know, you're not doing much in California. Why don't you come out to Texas? Okay. So I uh, headed out to Texas, uh, got a job at Landry's in the, in the uh, kitchen. And then, um, then I got a job at um, <clears throat> Sambuca as a waiter. And um, Chef William DeFoy, I'll never forget him because he was one of my mentors. Chef William DeFoy, he'd, he'd kind of look around and he'd see me kind of just like staring at him, seeing what he was doing. And, you know, one day he just, he snapped. and He goes, all right, here it is. You want to come in the kitchen? Come in the kitchen. I'll teach you what I know. <laughs> I'm like, I'm in. I, how can I not pass this up? And um, a lot of the methods that I use today came from him. How did that make you feel um, in that moment? Uh, really take us to that moment of him taking an interest in being willing to, to teach you. What was that like? Um, I think he just knew. I think he just saw. He, I asked questions. I was just constantly, you know, I, I don't know, just steery-eyed and just was wanting to know what he was doing. And I think the fact that he just he saw – Something in me that made me that made him believe in me and saying, you know what, this kid, he wants to learn, so I'm I'm gonna do do my part and make my effort to teach him. What was it about you uh, that he he saw specifically? Just like was it the questions, the curiosity? Like what what do you think I, he saw? It, it was the combination of everything. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, and um, I think that, you know, there's we gotta stop here for just a minute and think about the impact uh, that we can have on the lives of young people. If we just stop uh, to, to notice uh, what's happening around us, who's, who's interested in the work we're doing and then take the time to just invest in their knowledge, uh, really dive into the, the power of that and the, 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 the impact that he had on your life. Uh, you know, um, the fact that he just took a chance and he was willing he was patient and he allowed me to ask my questions and he answered them and he answered them specifically. He answered them thoroughly and he didn't beat around the bush. He wasn't mm. like, this is why we do it. This is how it works. No, this is how we do it. This is how you save money. This is how this is going to help you in the long run, save pennies and expand and give knowledge to somebody else. Mm. Where do you think you'd be today if you didn't have that mentorship? Oh, gosh. You know what? I don't think I'd be in the position I am today and the knowledge that I have. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think I'd have it. I don't think that I would. It's just so powerful. Uh, we take it for granted every day uh, going to work with these like young people. Um, and we literally have the ability to change lives and to uh, steer people in the right direction. I mean, we can't overlook that. I mean, do you want to add anything to what I just said? Um. You know, the difficult thing with the day and age that we're currently in and experience, the work ethic of the younger, the younger adult has been a challenge. Mm. Um, it seems that the younger generation is very, very, uh, how do I say this diplomatically? Um, they're Dis they seem disengaged? To be not wanting to put in the hours, but at the same time collect a paycheck. Um, so that's one of the biggest difficulties that I'm experiencing right now is finding good personnel that I 
can train and give information to that somebody is going to adhere and take and walk away with. So why do you think that is? I'm curious. Why, why, why do these, these young people struggle with uh, the willingness to put in the hours? I haven't put my finger on it. Maybe the way that they were brought up. I don't know. Maybe it's just um, the, the, that generation that they're in, their work mentality, um, not wanting to put in the hours, not wanting to put the effort in, but at the same time wanting to get taken care of. And I have three young children, and I'm trying to instill in them how important it is to wake up, get your chores done, make your bed, brush your teeth, Let's go out and do some chores and whatever yeah. the case may be. You know, um, I'm reading a book right now. Hold on. I got to go grab it. And it's, it's funny that this comes up right now. It's called uh, – it's, it's, it's a part of the Zingerman series of books. Uh, Zingerman's a lapsed anarchist approach to being a great leader. I'm not sure if you can see that I very can. well. But um, it's so funny. In the chapter I read this morning, he was talking about what's wrong with the workforce today. And uh, we have to remember that people that grow up – uh, in the world presently are a product of uh, us, meaning Correct. mentors, uh, the people who are leading them. Um, and I'm not pointing fingers, but like when we think about what's wrong with them, I mean, what is it that we did to create the situation for them? You got to ask yourself. So it's tough because we want to point fingers. We want to be angry with the next generation of people. But uh, what what could we be doing to influence them to to be different, I guess, is the, the the question I'm asking, what do you think about that? You know, I mean, in the 27 years being in the restaurant business, I've, I've, I've seen a lot. Um, and the entitlement that the generation has today of just, I don't know if it's social media. I don't know yeah. if it's the technology. I don't know if it's, you know, I mean, I have never received a, a, a day notice via text before. It was always, you know, they yeah. come into work and say, hey, chef, I can't I can't do this. This isn't for me. I'm going to give you my two weeks or just not show up to work Yeah, or show up one day and then not show up for the rest of just not show up for the rest of the training yeah. schedule. Um, and, and that's one of the biggest challenges that I find today. You know, I mean, I've had employees that we all just sit and go, you know what? This is a great hire. This is a great person. She's doing her job. She's showing up to work on time and all of a sudden just walk out. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't understand that mentality. I, I don't get it. You know, it's tough. And there's one book I can recommend that I think kind of touches on this. It's uh, My Company 2 by Tom Walter, a past guest in the show. And I think he explains it really well. He talks about uh, we live in a world of transactional relationships and, and we used to live in a world of transformative relationships where we were so close to the people that we we worked with every day where you know we were only really engaged with about 150 people, whereas today – we have so many relationships, but they're transactional relationships that are meaningless. So uh, it doesn't, it's not a big deal for me to sever a relationship because they're just so shallow. Right. Uh, the relationships are just so shallow and not deep. And I don't want to beat this topic to death, but sure. the thing is like, we can change that collectively if we choose to, uh, to give and really care and to choose not to have transactional relationships and choose to have transformative relationships with these young people at an early stage. We can change that. Uh, I think we need to change it. What do you think? I think you're absolutely right. I I really, really do. Um, You know, the fact that I've got a guy in the kitchen right now, he's been next to me standing right next to me for five and a half years for as long as we've been open. What, what is the difference between 
that mentality and the mentality of somebody else who comes in who's 19 or 20 or 21 years old and says, eh, this isn't for me. I, yeah. I, I, I can't put my finger on it. But like you said, there's no, re- no reason to go crazy on this because yeah. it'll, it'll drive me crazy. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, I mean, it's, it's tough. But I will say this. One thing I picked up from you is that you're a hands-on uh, owner. You're there. You care for your people. You're, you're with your people every day. You're developing your people. You're transforming your people every day. Uh, your guests, your, your teammate, your you know, team members. Like, uh, And I think that's the solution. I think what you're doing is the solution. It's tough for you. I get it. But I mean, I, th- I wish there were more people like you who choose to be there because you want to uh, and to choose to impact the lives of these people. You nailed it, Eric. I am a hands-on owner. Um, yeah. And sometimes that is my downfall. You know, how am, I, how am I to expand? How am I to open up my different concept if I can't have confidence and it's still what I have here at Full Bellies where I can step away for a couple of months and open up a different concept? Yeah, you know, beautiful. That, man. That's the challenge that, that we're, we're currently experiencing right now at Full Bellies. So do you think it was this experience you had with Chef uh, DeFoy that that was the moment you knew uh, you're going to make a career out of this? Or when did you know this was going to be your career? You know, I would say probably he had a lot to do with it. Um, there was also another front of the house manager mentor um, that uh, his name was Stefan Vanamatelli. And he, <laughs> bless his heart, he's, he's like, TJ, because I would say, maybe I want to get into management. I want to learn everything I possibly can about the restaurant business, you know, back yeah. of the house, front of the house. You know, I want, to, I want to, you know, gain as much knowledge as I possibly can. And he looked at me and said, TJ, get out now. Just get out. Don't know. <laughs> this, isn't, this isn't what you want. Trust me. I've been in this business a long time. Get out. Long hours. It's crazy. So, but I didn't, um, I didn't heed his advice, you know. So, <laughs> so uh, I think that's actually like really sound advice uh, is to convince people to get out uh, because unless we need more people that can't be or that need to be in this industry for the right reasons. Uh, and if they're not in this industry for the right reasons or if they're miserable, then we don't want them a part of this industry. We don't want them influencing the next generation of professionals. So I think that's great advice. Uh, you know, weed them out. Uh, so what was it uh, in you that made you uh, choose to go against his advice? The passion, yeah. The passion for just the day in and day out. Um, like I said, every day was a completely different experience. To this day, you know, in the twenty-seven years I've been in the business, you think that you have seen it all, and I have seen a lot of it. But then you're just absolutely shocked and astonished that <laughs> this person just did this, yeah. and I'm like, you know. And then that's my advice to everybody: it goes, you know what? Don't ever, ever, ever not think that something can happen because you know what? It will. When, when you stop thinking that, you know what, you've seen it all, just walk away from it because you haven't. Yeah. And uh, about how old were you? What, what was the date uh, when you had this interaction with uh, Stefan? Um, uh, I was 24 years old, um, making good money, you know, no kids, not married. Um, and I, I followed him around for a good five to six years. Okay, so he was moving to different restaurants, and you were going with him. He was he was working at Sambuca, and then he opened up another uh, restaurant, an Italian restaurant um, called the Crazy Chef, and um, I w- followed him there. And then I landed a job at Trulux in 1997. Real quick, why did you follow him? So he tried to talk you out of it. You said, "No, screw you, <laughs> Stefan. I, I want to do this." What were some of the other things, uh, the other assets, the other features that, that this this gentleman possessed? Well, he possessed knowledge. He yeah. possessed knowledge. 
And to this day, I mean, I don't think I was able to take as much as I possibly could. Yeah. We're still in contact, but I think that was my that was my uh, my drive was this guy knows a lot. What can I learn from him? You know, mm. Chef William Defoy, he knows this kitchen. You know, he knows a lot. What can I yeah. learn from him? So it was intentional. Like you you were staying with him for the intent to learn. It wasn't just because you liked him, but you you were really trying to make it into a learning experience. We're at, we we had a very good relationship. We had an okay. absolute great relationship. But it okay. always helps when you have a great relationship with somebody and they're willing to give you information. What made this relationship great? Aside from the fact that he gave you information. Uh, you know what? I can't really put a finger on what made it great. Um, we just got along. Mm. He depended on me. I, I looked up to him. He knew I was going to show up to work every day. He knew I was going to do what was asked of me. He knew I was going to work my ass off. Um, so the relationship just built and mm. we created a friendship. All right. So what was the biggest lesson or a couple big lessons specifically that you can reflect on that? Uh, Stefan, is it Stefan or Stefan? Stefan, Stefan taught you. What, what did he teach you? Um, he taught me a lot of front of the house knowledge, um, a lot of cost analysis, um, menu development, um, staff reaction. Um, you know, uh, taught me a lot of uh, bar procedure. Um, a lot of a lot of knowledge that I was not unfair, uh, uh, unaware of at the front of the house. Can you get specific and give me like one lesson, one key thing? Uh, I know it's probably been a while, but um, 24 years old when you started working with them. Yeah. Uh, but is there one specific lesson maybe about how to treat others or a way to uh, interact with a guest or a way to uh, a percentage when working with numbers? Like any specific takeaway we can share with our listeners? I could probably say, you know what? Treat people how you want to be treated. Hmm. You treat them with respect. Hopefully, you're going to get respect back. Is, is that what Stefan did? It was he yes, just somebody who respected other people? He he was absolutely phenomenal with his people. He was great with his people. Is that Every, why you would say you followed him? Yeah, a lot of people followed him. A lot of a lot of his employees followed him where he went because I just think everybody had so much respect for him, and he was a very even keel guy. Mm. You know, he didn't explode. He didn't yell. He didn't scream. But you knew when he was pissed off. Mm-hmm. You know, you knew when you crossed that line and you made a mistake that, you know what, uh, I'm going to back off now, even though you're not yelling at me, Stefan, I'm going to, I know you're upset with me. I just want to take like three seconds to pause and think about what you just said uh, and who this person was. And I mean, was that three seconds? I don't know. But the point <laughs> being is like really absorb what he's, what you know what chef tj is saying to us right now like it's about being a good person it's about caring for other people and if if you go if you make your life about giving and caring for others um you know people won't care about what you know until how much they know you care i don't know exactly how the quote goes but it comes up a lot in the show and um perfect example well i mean a perfect example is owning a restaurant caring what you do caring yeah. about the people that walk through your front door caring about their dining experience caring about how they feel caring about their overall um of the overall environment you know that i think is the biggest thing i love it beautiful so uh what was the next stage in your life you're you're following stefan around uh you broke off and started doing your own thing like talk to us from there on okay so then i got um i got a restaurant job at um true lux 
And it was a stone crab restaurant uh, out of Houston. This was their second location that they opened up. They opened up in Addison. Okay. So um, as I still wanted to drive, still wanted to get knowledge, still wanted to get into management and, you know, learn every aspect I possibly can about the restaurant business, I was with Trulux for 13 years. And uh, what year was it when you started with them? 1997. Okay. So 97. Um, so right around the time you got to um, Texas or? Uh, no, to 1994, 1992 to 94, graduated. So yeah, 90, 92, 94, uh, okay. 93. Yeah. So you started, so you were spending time following stuff on around. And then in, in 97, you started breaking off doing your own thing. And you're with this company for 13 years. Uh, how did you grow as a professional uh, working for this company? What, were you living intentionally? Were you doing anything specific uh, intentionally? Um, no. Nope. Uh, you know, I uh, now met the next mentor in my life, uh, Steve Fields. Um, and Steve was also in the business for a very long time, also full of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he gave me my first manager opportunity. That um, was about a year into it, where I just basically turned to Steve and said, Hey, Steve, I'd really like to try this management thing. I, I you know, I want to learn. I've got, the, I've got a lot of knowledge in the back of the house. I've got some knowledge in the front of the house. But I want to get I want to get it all. Um, so he gave so he gave me a shot. He gave okay. me a shot as a manager. So I became his assistant general manager in 1998. Okay. Pretty much for the next for the next 11 years, I moved up the ranks to become an assistant general manager, general manager, and then a managing partner. Oh, beautiful. So uh, take us through that evolution. What were you doing in your life that opened up these opportunities for you? Um. <clears throat> I'll tell you a funny story, Eric. We didn't have a cappuccino machine at the time where uh, True Lux was, you know, I think a two years or a year into it. And uh, But there happened to be a Starbucks across the street. So I had guests ask, do you have any cappuccinos? Um, I go, if you give me a minute, I will get you one. Ooh. What do you want? So I would take their order, and then I would take a server next to me and say, I'm heading across Beltline to go to Starbucks. What do you want? I take his order. And then I take another, another server's order, and I say, I'm going over to Starbucks. What do you want? I'd run across six lanes <laughs> to, get to, to get to Starbucks, pick up all these cappuccinos, espressos, lattes, what have you, bring them back to the restaurant, serve them to our guests. And at that point in time, I think the, the light went off in my head saying, these people are going to remember this for the rest of their mm-hmm. life that this kid just ran across the street because I asked for a cappuccino and they didn't have a cappuccino machine to get me a cappuccino and bring it back and serve my request. And I think that's when it kind of, like I said, the light went off where no is not in the vocabulary. Yes. Yes. I love it, man. Beautiful. Take us through that experience though of how did they react? Like what was going on when you actually dropped these drinks off at the table? They're, they're my investors to this day. Are you serious? Yes. Oh my God. If that's not a lesson, I don't know what is. That's beautiful, man. And these, these were the relationships that I created by doing the things that I did by not just saying, no, we can't do that. What, what was it that I said? I, what can we do to make this happen? Wow. Why, why do we have to say no? Why, do we, why don't we just say, yes, we've got these products. We've getting, they're in the house. Why can't we make this special dish for them? We're Man. creating customers for life. Man, uh, like the word I love to use when describing what it takes to be successful 
in this industry is impact. Uh, not choosing to focus outward, but to focus in going deep and to make an impact. You're an example of that with your relationships with your mentors. They had an impact on you. They went deep on you and they developed you. They mentored you. They formed you as a server. Uh, no, I can't do that, but don't say no, but how can I make this person happy and choose to go deep and make an impact on that experience? And really it's all about experiencing impactful moments uh, in real transformative moments. And that's what I'm hearing in your story so far. And I think, and I think that Steve noticed that, and that's why he gave me the opportunity to become a manager, because if you're only running a three table section, you're only allowed to, you're only touching those three tables. Okay. But as a manager, now you get to touch the entire restaurant. Gotcha. Okay. So man, what do I want to talk about next? I don't know. Where do you want to go? (laughs) Uh, So they, they were one of your, uh, so let's, let's go to the point where, you know, you want to open your own restaurant restaurant take us through that process from starting with the the original vision or when you knew at what point you knew you wanted to own your own restaurant well i I, it's funny because i actually hired my wife as a hostess at true lux and then she she became the um, marketing coordinator and she became the accounts manager and then uh, you know, unfortunately, we 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 got mar- we got married, and then we decided it wasn't going to work for us. But we had always talked about opening our own restaurant. Okay, always talked about going out on our own. But it was always that step that scared me to death. It was always that I am I am one of those guys that does not take change very well. Okay, so let's dive into that. <laughs> I think I think a lot of what holds us back is fear. So, how did you overcome this fear to to go out on your own? What did it for you? Um, well, the opportunity that was given to us when we met Bob and Honey Minshew at Kelly Square here in Sherman, Texas, I think that was the biggest one. I mean, they're basically handing us an operating restaurant. All we have to do is come up with the capital and figure out our concept. So you're kind of pushed to the edge of the cliff. Absolutely. Uh, where somebody actually pushed you off of it, and now you have no choice but to make it work before you hit the ground. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, would you have done it any different knowing that, you know, what made it work now? Like, would you have maybe been more proactive or would you have maybe taken the jump on your own? <clears throat> yes. Yes, Why? absolutely. Um, don't get me wrong. It is the hardest thing I've ever done in my 48 years of life. Well, I can't really count the first three or four cause I was taken care of. Um, but the hardest thing I've ever done, but the rewards are are just I can't explain it. I can't explain how how impressive it is to me to to start something <clears throat> fresh, not knowing if you're going to make it two or three years, but now you're making it five and a half years, and you see this continual build of clientele, and you see this continual growth of ten percent annual. So that to me, if I know that the outcome was going to be here, I would have taken that jump a long time ago. Okay. So um, was, okay, let's talk about the the early stage of knowing that, okay, now you got pushed, uh, you're over the edge of the cliff, you're going down. What series of events, how, you know, what actions did you take from that point to be ready? Okay. So uh, my wife and I obviously put together a business plan. Um, then we went to friends and family and then a lot of my customers that I had at Trulux and basically put out that business plan in them. And 
<clears throat> one of one of the heavy investors, you know, he says, TJ, I know you're going to make it work. I've been watching you for 12 years. Um, you know, I watch you interact with your guests. I watch you interact with your employees. I, and this isn't an investment in full bellies. It's an investment in you mm. because I know how passionate you are about this business. So that was, that was a, a big pat on the back and a big compliment. It's also an ego boost as well, knowing yeah. that somebody's willing to give you a chunk of their savings account to say, here, go chase your dream. What's so, the lesson in that? What's the lesson in that? Um, I think the lesson in that is, you know what? Once again, treat people how you want to be treated. No is not in your vocabulary. Just open your arms to people. Be passionate to people. Let them know you care about their dining experience. And I think in, in, in really fruition, it'll come back around. Yeah. You know, uh, one of the things I love to say is that behind every great restaurant is a great person. Uh, and if you want to be a great restaurant owner, you need to first become a great person in care. Uh, like you said, like, like, like what you did. So, uh, you're a beautiful example of that. Thank you. Uh, Thank you and, very much. Oh, you're welcome. And uh, business plan. You said you, you're working on the business plan now. Was it, was there anything about the business plan, uh, that you think contributed to, uh, people wanting to invest in you or was there a resource that you implemented or went to, to build out your business plan? Or do you think really people were just investing in you? Well, um, I think a lot of it had to do with people were investing in me or investing in Heather and myself, but this is a group effort. I got to remember my wife is very much important part of this team. Um, so we said, we're, we're here in Sherman, Texas. The concept that we're going to open, there's nothing like it in the area. Um, Texas is, uh, the, the population is growing. Um, a lot of things are moving north. Sherman at the time was not a very big city. Um, there were about 36,000 strong. But at one point in time, they were pretty much the center hub between Dallas and Oklahoma. Okay. <clears throat> so we, uh, we put together the business plan and um, we said, all right, we're going to pull from this city, this city, this city, and maybe this city, which are just some surrounding cities around Sherman, Texas. We put it all together. We put it in front of our investors. We put it in front of our friends and family. And then we were able to raise over half of the capital um, or a little less than half the capital that we originally shot for. And we opened up, we opened it. We just said, there's no, there was, there's no stopping us now. I mean, why, why would we go backwards? We might as well just go ahead and jump in. Okay. So how did you open with only half the capital? Well, you got to remember it was a pre-existing restaurant. Okay. So you were taking over. So we were taking over, which was, it was a buffet. Okay. Uh, I'm not big on buffets. So how, I'm still not quite sure. So you didn't necessarily, uh, buy the restaurant outright you raise capital to uh flip the restaurant or to transform it into your vision basically basically we were we were we are part of a um a, an extremely big building there's three floors it used to be occupied by jc penny so we have um a lot of uh, retail shops on the bottom of the floor the restaurant is on the mezzanine level and then on the third floor are office spaces so we were leasing out this space this space that currently was a restaurant was a buffet and they were only open Monday through Friday for lunch, no dinner service, no Saturday service, no Sunday service. So how did you prioritize where you invested that uh, 50% of what you had? Um, that was basically a savings. That was a savings. Just get us going and hopefully get this ball rolling where we can start producing some revenue where, you know what, we can pull some, pull some cash in, get cash flow strong, 
and we have this chunk of money okay, in case something okay. happens. So the lesson here is that you wanted that cushion of cash. Uh, cash right. is king. You didn't want to get into the red. You want to stay positive. You wanted to in a perfect okay. world. So how much of that 50% did you actually end up going into? Uh, you don't want to know. All of it. All, all of it. it. Wow. Yeah. But what happens if you were to take that 50% and you say, well, we're going to get all new this, all new that, and we were, we're going to shoot for this vision that we have right now, and we're going to achieve that next week. What would have happened? Uh, we would have closed the doors. Man. And how long did it take for you to get to the point where uh, you didn't need that cushion? Um, year four. Wow. So how, do you mind me asking how much of a cushion you had? Um, we borrowed from the bank. We borrowed from our processing company twice um, to get through the slow months. I, I'm sure a lot of your, your viewers and a lot of your interviews, interviewers know that, you know, typically June, July, mm-hmm. August, heat of the summer, those are slower months in the restaurant business. Um, to, they would get us through there to where we would start what I call the bend, which would be October, November, December, January, February, March through Mother's Day. Okay. So uh, that, that was what we were trying to do was just keep our head above water, get through the summer months. And we know from track record that the December months are good months for us where we have more cash flow. So what things happened uh, for you to be able to wean yourself off of that cushion, that safe, that safety bubble uh, and be self, self-sufficient, self-sustaining? You know, things happen for a reason, Eric. And, and you know, I, I for some reason, the big man upstairs, either he's just, he likes me or he must like my wife. In <laughs> um, the year 2013, we were just hemorrhaging money, hemorrhaging. Okay. And this was in August. So uh, we're like, you know what? We, we were not going to be able to make payroll this this. Why? Week. Why were you hemorrhaging money? What do you think? Uh, because we were just losing money. Our break okay. even was $15,000. We were doing $11,000, $10,000 in sales. We okay. were losing money every single week because um, okay. the sales weren't there. So what'd you do differently after that? Well, we, um, we got a phone call from um, a movie production company and said, hey, we lost our caterer and uh, we need somebody that's going to produce breakfast, lunch, and dinner for four weeks, four weeks uh, while we're shooting this movie. Okay. So Heather and I go, okay. At the point we had, you know, four or five employees, you know, we're like, all right, we, we can do this. We can do this. So we ended up making breakfast, lunch, and dinner seven days a week for about 25 to 30 cast actors, actresses, producer, so on and so forth. And the movie is called Red Wing. Okay. And uh, when I say things happen for a reason, well, that little little hit right there allowed us to get us through September Mm. and make it into the months where we were going to start producing a little bit more sales and make a little bit more cash flow. Okay. Um, so what happened after this catering opportunity in that following year that allowed you to be sustainable thereon? Well, then we d- decided to go ahead and open up Delish Catering Company, okay. which, which w- was the next step. Um, and as the business of Full Bellies continued to grow, so did the name and the reputation. So did the catering company. Uh, okay. So, um, Really pull out the key lessons, the, the aha moments for you during this, this period of time. Um, s- 
save as much money as you possibly can. Aha, yes, save <laughs> as much money as you possibly can. And I know that's difficult to say because when you're, when you're not making money and you're losing money every week, you, you have a source of income, but it's, you know, it's over here and you want to try to save that chunk of money, but you, you just can't, you can't, you can't just let the business fail. Mm. For, the first, for the first two years, we never got a paycheck. So, so it was difficult on us because now we were obviously we were behind on mortgage. We were, you know, uh, luckily we our car payment uh, was paid for our cars were paid for, but um, you know, we pulled out what we needed to pull out to make make ends meet. Um, and uh, that <laughs> that that was a challenge. That was a challenge. Man, uh, where did you learn about uh, how to manage cash was there a person that taught you this or was there a resource you went to a book uh, that you read no no steve fields well, uh, the gentleman at full bellies you know i was uh, really good with P&Ls. i was really good with saving money um i was really good with set, setting money aside my budgets were on um you know i would i would practice on my yearly budgets i practice on my monthly budgets and say hey you know what we can increase sales here cut here we can bring this much down to the bottom line mm. <laughs> And I think that was a, a big thing with Heather too. You know, my wife Heather, she's, uh, I mean, she's she's brilliant and mathematical wise. Um, you know, and she's able to sit in front of me and say, "Hey, if we do this, this, and this, then we can save here and do this, and we, you know, save for that rainy day, which we know is going to happen in July, August, and September." Yeah. So, I mean, the lesson for me is that you really have to look at every penny and allocate every penny and know where all of your money is going and set money aside. And really, like, there isn't a, a enough emphasis you can put on just saving and having that cushion and to not go too big, too. I feel like a lot of people, they fail because they, they have this vision and they try to achieve it on day one. Um, but the truth is you scale up to that. Uh, and now look what you've got. Like, how much has, has your space changed in this five, seven year, it was 2011, six years. How much have your space changed? Yeah, so we're in our sixth year now. I mean, it's changed drastically. It's yeah, it's changed. a beautiful space, too. I saw the, 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 the videos, and it's a beautiful space. But, you know, you've got to understand, too, that um, it's not going to happen overnight, and sales are going to heal everything. Mm. You continue with sales growth, it's going, to take, yeah. it's going to help your bottom line. Yeah. And if it doesn't, then we shouldn't be in this business anyway. Yeah. I shouldn't be in this business. Yep. I think the other lesson too is the power of multiple channels of revenue. Uh, not putting all of your eggs into one basket, but sure. really opening up those channels of revenue. Yep. Uh, any other lessons, uh, big aha moments, big takeaways uh, I mean, that you can lay on us real quick? Um, I think the, the one of the biggest aha moments that I have is, you know what? I'm now in a very small town. Um, we're not in the Dallas Metroplex where there's millions of people. This is a third. This is a very small town, and you know how small towns just happen to, you know, you say something wrong, it's yeah. going to spread like wildfire. <laughs> yeah. I think the big aha moment that, we, that I've had, one of the biggest aha moments that I've had is that, you know what, we got lucky and got into a very good niche of clientele, and they have pretty much done marketing for us if that if that makes any sense absolutely yeah you know you they say that you know word of mouth is the the biggest marketing tool that you could have not only is is it free but you know it's it's huge but it's also a detriment as well so for every 
bad experience, somebody's going to tell 10 people about that bad experience. For every good experience, somebody's going to tell two or three. Mm. So it's a, that's, a, that's a tough, that's a really tough, um, tough pill to swallow. Um, yeah. So I, our goal was to make sure that everybody who walked through this front door, just like at, you know, with Stefan and just like with at, uh, at, um, at True Lux, that everybody had a great dining experience. Mm. And that was my aha moment. Yeah. So in this journey that you just took us on, uh, reflecting back, was what was the biggest challenge for you personally? What was your biggest hurdle to get over? Uh, I'd say probably uh, getting up at five o'clock in the morning, getting to work, working 16, 16 hours a day and not being able to see my family. How'd you do it? Passion. Mm. It, I mean, this is, this is our baby. This mm. is something we've dreamed about for years. And I finally got pushed off the edge and I wasn't gonna just, yeah. just, I wasn't going to fall. And how gonna, did, where are you now? Where are you now? Um, well, right now we're, uh, we've turned a half a million dollar company into a, a million dollar company. Beautiful. In year five. So we're, we're on, um, schedule to make at least in sales. We'll probably do a little over a million dollars in sales. Um, we've created our catering funny, uh, company delish. And now we're trying to get the right people on the bus and the right people on the bus and the right seats. So now Heather and I can go out and start opening different concepts. Mm, man, the, the the lesson for me right now, listening to you, is just do the work. Uh, show up every day, do the work, be persistent, be determined, and try to just be a little bit better every day and to know that it's about that impact that you leave on other people. Uh, is, that, is that on or what would you, know, you add you're, to that? You're, you're absolutely spot on. And now... Now that I look and kind of look around and see a full dining room on a Saturday night, I reflect back when there was only two or three people and say, you know what, people, the, people are believing in me again and saying, hey, this, this is a great restaurant. These are great people. These are great restaurant owners. This kid never goes home. He's always here. You know, he's here from seven o'clock in the morning till nine o'clock or 10 o'clock at night. And I think people appreciate that and they appreciate because of the older generation clientele that I have. Yeah. That makes sense, Eric. Yeah, it does. And I'm about to open a can of worms because you just said something that I got to pull back to layers on is you said people are believing in me again. Was there a period where you think people didn't believe in you? Um, well, there was a little bit of a, a lull, obviously when true Lux and I decided to separate, you know, it's always a hit to the ego and saying, well, I just spent my last 12 years, 13 years and dedicated everything that I had to you. And you know, this is how you feel about my beliefs when, you know, these are what your beliefs are changing. Um, and, um, I guess really that's another aha moment where I'm saying, I can't do this for anybody else. I've got to do this for myself. This, uh, we've got, we've got to do, we've got to open up our own restaurant. We've got to do our own thing because of how, how, how that whole, that whole road of my life transpired. Yeah, you said that their their beliefs were changing in your. They didn't believe in your beliefs. What were your beliefs? And once again, yes is the answer. What was the question? <laughs> yeah. No is not in my vocabulary. There was just a, a particular incident where um, we had a soup, poblano pepper soup, a roasted poblano pepper soup. It was a very popular soup, 
And the corporate chef at the time decided to just take it off the menu. And I'm like, oh, what, what are we, why are we taking it off? It's not us anymore. I go, well, you know, that, that soup has made us who we are today. People are very happy about that soup. Well, no, we're changing it up. We're going to just go a different route. I go, well, is it possible that I can make the soup and keep, a, keep it in the walk-in for those customers that come in and say, hey, do you have that roasted poblano pepper soup? Because I know if I say, yes, I do, I'm going to make their day. I'm going to make them extremely happy. I'm going to make them just absolutely go, all right, we got poblano pepper soup. But he wouldn't allow me to do that. Mm. So, change, you know, just a change of mentality, a change of conflicts from where I, where I started with True Luck saying, you know, these are my beliefs. These are our beliefs. This is a family to where, unfortunately, when you get into multi-unit restaurants, you become corporate that, you know, some of those things change up and it's just a tough pill to swallow. Yeah. Oh, man. And uh, even just to come full circle again, it's every time you I feel like you grow a little bit bigger, or you try to go outward, uh, you dilute that thing that makes you special just a little bit more. And going back to that conversation we had earlier today with there being transactional relationships. Well, I mean, why do you think that we have a generation of people who don't part of my language? I won't say I'm trying to be better about dropping the F-bomb. Uh, <laughs> don't give an app. Uh, <laughs> Can I say it for you? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's because we've created this world where it's all transactional. It's about you showing up, paying money, expecting something in return, and it stops there. Where what you do is you actually give an F about these people, and you care. And when you give an F, people return. They reciprocate. Um, but, you know, Eric, you had said something about, obviously, you were able to tell that I was a hands-on owner, and I think that, you know, I hate to use these cliches, you know, I'm, I'm old school, but you know what? Lead by example. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. where if, if there's a piece of trash on the ground and you have the owner of the restaurant walking through with a broom and bending over to pick up the trash, I don't see why people could not follow that example. That's because I care. I care about the dining experience of my guests. I care about the, the environment where my employees work in. Yeah. Um, so, and, and I can't, I don't understand it. I'm just mm-hmm. basically what I'm doing is I'm trying to surround my people or surround myself around people that have the same beliefs, the same work ethic and the same energy that I have. And I think that if, I, if I'm able to do that, that I think we'll be successful for a very yeah. long time. Beautiful. This is awesome. Uh, we're going to go to the speed round, but before we do, I, I've got to uh, ask about a time. Uh, that you just fell hard on your ass. I feel like we learned so much from the successes of other people, but we learn just as much, if not more, from the failures of other people. So tell me about a time, Chef, you fell hard on your ass with a failure. How'd you get back up? Great question. You know, I'd have to say my marriage. Mm. Yeah. That's tough. You know, it, you know I, it, I don't need to go into detail about it, but unfortunately, people make mistakes, and I think that was, uh, that was one of the biggest mistakes I've ever made. And um, I haven't been able to get back up yet, um, but we're slowly moving in the right direction. You know, I, I hate to go. I don't want to go too deep, but um, where do you think you fell short or what do you think happened? Uh, I mean, what advice can you give my listeners to help them understand what not to do? <laughs> oh, oh, just stay true to your beliefs. Okay. We don't have to go any further, but thank you for getting open and honest about that. And we are gonna, we're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors. We'll be right back. Whether you're just getting started in the restaurant business or if you're a seasoned veteran, there's always something new to learn. That never ends. <laughs> but what hasn't changed is the time you get to learn. 
Chipsy has taken everything you need to know and put it in one easy to access location. With Tipsy, you can learn what you want, when you want, by accessing an incredible library of video courses on topics like food and beverage, service, marketing, and business operations. It's basically a one-stop shop for everything you need to run a successful restaurant. You can also use Tipsy as a staff training tool. Through the management platform, you can select the courses that matter to you and schedule them out to your employees in a few simple clicks. Individual memberships are only $9 a month, and as a restaurant unstoppable listener, you receive an extra 50% off your first month. So what are you waiting for? For $4.50, you can have access to this incredible resource right now. Just find the tipsy banner in the show notes. After studying over 300 successful restaurant professionals, I've discovered that to be successful in the restaurant industry, you need skills that go far beyond knowing how to cook. All of our guest mentors are damn near experts on business operations, systems, and culture. That is not a coincidence. That is what it takes to be successful. This is exactly why I tell everyone I know who wants to open a restaurant or is in the restaurant business to get a membership to restaurantowner.com. For only $29 a month, you have access to over 300 templates, including business plans, checklists, forms, manuals, and procedures. In addition, you have countless resources at your fingertips to join a community that has helped over 40,000 restaurant owners make better lives for themselves. Head over to restaurantowner.com slash unstoppable and because you are restaurants unstoppable listeners you will get the first 10 days for only one dollar again that's restaurantsowner.com slash unstoppable we're back and the first question i have for you is what is your it factor a habit a trait a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success or multiple dedication dedication do you want to dive into that at all um i guess when you put forth such the effort that that my wife and i have put forth to see the growth over the five and a half years to the point where we almost had to shut the restaurant down because we couldn't make payroll because we weren't getting sales to the point we are today where we're up 10% and almost doing a million dollars in sales. I've dedicated myself never to let this thing fail. Mm. Um, Unstoppable, if you would. Yeah. Um, The other biggest is seeing the reaction on people's faces when you put a plate in front of them and they pull out their camera and take a picture of it. Then they take a bite and they make that face. Um, that to me, be- between dedication and customer service, or I would say customer re- response, would be would be it. Beautiful. And uh, what is your biggest weakness? I can be hard on my employees. And uh, have you improved? Have you evolved or grown personally in that regard? Well, you got to remember, Eric, I am a glorified babysitter. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm dealing with 29 to 32 different personalities. So what I can say, and I hate to use this word, you know, if there's something going on in the kitchen and I turn to them, I can say, what the F are you doing? That's not how it's done. But as opposed to another employee, I have to step on eggshells and say, 
you can't do it that way. Let's try a different method. So I have learned over the years that I've got to deal with different personalities mm. and deal with them in different tones of voice and deal with them in a different manner than my strict, you know, hey, you can't do it this way. Do it my way. Yeah. Or, you know, what are you doing? You know, so I, I've learned over the years, but I can I always anybody can improve. Yeah, we, we all can improve. But yep. I've learned over the years that you cannot treat people, you know, with or certain people with with that that aggression. And it's just who I am, and I don't mean anything by it. And you know, my management staff talks to me about it, and they're like, "Yeah, there's something wrong with you." I just I have <laughs> look on my face. I'm just it's stern. I'm working. I'm doing things. I'm getting shit done. And I, I'm sorry. I'm not going to stop to smile, but I'm, I'm I'm taking care of business. Yeah. Interesting. But, but you're making me smile. And my marketing <laughs> manager over here in the corner is just, just eating it all up. Oh, man. Awesome. Uh, so what is your one piece of advice for leading? For leading? Is that what you said? Yes. Okay. For leading? Um, well, lead by example. You know, I, like I said, the, the cliches that, you know, will, will come out. Um you know, and, and I think don't treat people like you wouldn't want to be treated yourself. I mean, awesome. you know, absolutely. But and, if you're able, if, if you got that one person that asks those questions, maybe you sort of cater to that person a little bit more than you would somebody else, because you know, that person's asking questions because that person wants to know the answers and wants to grow on knowledge and wants to be able to perform at a high level. Mm. Great stuff, man. Uh, and if there's one thing you look for, uh, when hiring, uh, one quality, one question you ask, what, what's, what's that one thing? I actually, um, I have a pretty good interview process, uh, that we go through, um, besides your basics and, um, reliable transportation. Um, the, the big question that I have, as I said, if I were to call one of your references and you would, I would ask, give me five positive attributes that you possess. I would let that interviewee say, okay, these are my five positive things. Well, then I would turn and go, give me three things you need to work on. To this day, they have not been able to answer the question fully. <laughs> what are you looking for? Well, I'm looking for anything. Hey, yeah. I, you know, I need to quit smoking or I want to lose weight or I'm tardy all the time or, you know, I, I want to be a better mom or whatever the case may be. It gets inside their head where they're looking for things like that, that their negative work part of their, their, their work ethic. comes out. It has nothing to do with work. Yes, if you've got three things you need to work on, being on time is one of those, great. But you know what? I'm also looking a little bit more into your personal life. It's like, what, what other things do you want to change in your personal life? And not once anybody's been able to, to come up with three things? Mm-mm. And they always pause <laughs> and say, this is a difficult question. They go, yeah, it's, everyone, everyone has a hard time. Yeah, that is question. a tough one. Cool. Maybe because maybe uh, people don't want to be honest with themselves and say, damn, I, I kind of suck at cooking. Or, you know, I'm, <laughs> so is I'm that, a very good driver. Is that what you're looking for? Is just honesty? I'm looking, I'm looking for honesty. I'm looking for truth. Truth. Okay, yes. Awesome. I love it. And uh, what is a current challenge right now? Uh, keeping, keeping a good core group. Keeping a good core group in the back of the house and in the front of the house. Um, just being able to hire a good group that sticks around and – and you know helps each other out and is positive and is full of energy 
Um, we've got, uh, I've, I've just recently, Heather and I just recently hired a couple of managers, uh, my marketing manager and then my front of the house manager. I get a PM and AM. And I tell you what, they're great. They're really diving into what we believe in. And I just want to be able to support that management group with great employees, front of the house and back of the house, which will make everybody's job that much easier. So exactly how are you trying to overcome that by dive into how you're overcoming that? Sorry. Well, you know what? I'm not overcoming it. I'm having a very difficult time overcoming it because I just don't have the workforce or the, the, the pool in the area that I'm in that we're in Dallas, you would get 14 to 15 people filling out applications a day here. It's like one or two a month. So you're, you're currently not overcoming it, but how do you plan to overcome it? What's your plan of action? Um, I think that, you know what, we continue the interview process. We make sure that everybody asks the right questions. You know, we get them in here, we get them trained up using the proper training tools, have them buy into what we're trying to Mm. do. And I think after the training process or the training uh, period ends, allow them to flourish and be successful by the knowledge that we've given them. Yeah. Do they know that you have expectations to grow? Yes. Do you think that helps? Uh, I think, I think it does, but I think it's also intimidating. Mm. Uh, you know what? We're, uh, we're, we're a high caliber restaurant in a very, very I, I want to say just in a not okay. So I, I'd rather do it this way. Whereas in Dallas, you have high caliber restaurants on every street corner. Mm-hmm. Here in Sherman, you have one, maybe two. So you and own it, the market, but the market's much smaller. The market is much smaller. Got you. Okay. What is one thing besides food? your restaurant does really well that separates you from other restaurants? Oh, gosh. We've got over 120 wines by the bottle and over 45 by the glass. We've got two great bartenders that um, are awesome that have actually bought into the the TJ LaRosa mentality of uh, yes was the uh, yes uh, yes is the answer. What was the question? Yeah. Um, and um, our catering uh, is starting to take off and we have three, three private dining rooms <clears throat> that accommodate anywhere from 10 to 45 people. Uh, and I think that people are starting to catch on that and starting to say, well, these are kind of neat rooms and so on and so forth. But, but you've yeah. seen, you've seen the restaurant. So just providing that experience, having those, uh, higher quality, uh, features, uh, how would you describe that? Like one sentence, um, you know, <laughs> It's funny because my wife goes, TJ, um, we've got to buy new wine glasses. I go, what do you mean? What do you mean we need new wine glasses? She goes, we've got to buy new wine glasses. You know, we're trying to expand on our, expand on our wine program. I go, okay, what's wrong with those wine glasses? She goes, well, they're kind of, you know, they're, they're just an all-purpose wine glass. I go, and I understand they're an all-purpose wine glass. She goes, we need to get new wine glasses. I go, okay, how much are you going to spend? $2,000. Absolutely no way. You're not spending $2,000 on wine glasses. You're not doing it. These people won't appreciate it. They'll net, they, you're just wasting money. Of course, yeah, I bought into it. And she bought $2,000 worth of wine glasses. And to this day, people have commented and complimented <laughs> on the fact that we have great wine glasses that correspond with our wine list. So, you know, it's, it's the small little things. Yeah. 
it's not cutting on quality in any corners. Or no, just, no, it yeah. isn't. And that, and that to me, because I was big on that. I was big on the crummer and I was big on the, you know, serving from the left and pulling from the right. And I'm mm. trying to, you know, get, get the, the servers to understand what proper service and proper dining service is. Um, and, uh, you know, so, and Heather kind of taught me a lesson there and I should have, <laughs> I should have been into it before I even said no on the, on the wine glasses. I got you now. Okay. And uh, what's one book that will make us better restaurants, owners, managers, or just better people in general? What's one what? Book. Uh, good to great. What's the biggest lesson you learned from that book? Um, once the flywheel is going, keeping the right people on the bus and the right seats. And this is episode 243, I believe. I uh, hope that's right. Head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash, sorry, three, three forty three. And you'll find the, and you'll find the links right there. Uh, so, and it's also on audible. So uh, I know that one's on audible. So if you don't have a membership to audible yet, it will change your life. Audiobooks have changed my life. Uh, head over to audibletrial.com slash unstoppable to get that book for free. If you haven't signed up yet. And what is one piece of technology you've adopted in your restaurants recently that have had a positive impact on operations, uh, profitability, communication, or anything? Um, well, we just added, uh, basically, it's called Shift Notes. Uh, we're in the trial stages. It is now, and basically, it's an online um, management training notes, uh, scheduling um, where the servers now no longer have to text in and ask what their schedule is or call. They can actually go online and look at their schedule. Um, yep. It basically takes away a lot of paper. Um, yep. So it does our safe counts. It does our manager notes. It does the temperature. It does. And this way we're able to track from this point until next year where we're seeing where our sales trend is going, whether we're up or down, yep. and then also be able to find out, you know, what it was so big on this day, why our sales were so down this day. Yep. And, uh, what about time? How much time is that saving for you, for your managers? Uh, I saving them a lot of time because they basically, it, I mean, you're, they're getting emails every day of the shift notes so they can, you know, from their house say, okay, here's this, this, and this, check off on it and go from there. And uh, put a number, how many hours a month would you say that, that saves your managers? Mm, well, seeing how we're, we're in the first 30 day trial period, I might have to get back to you on that one. Okay. But I tell you, it's going to save some time yeah, and, a lot of, and a lot of paper. Yeah, exactly. The point being is a lot of people justify reasons not to invest in tools to leverage, to be more effective, to be more systematized. Uh, but the truth is these tools, when you use them right, pay for themselves and then some absolutely. Just well, then the I would probably go ahead and use um, then do our reservation uh, source. It's a U-Reserve okay. um, where basically all you have to do is get online and make a reservation through U-Reserve. Okay. Um, there's another program out there called Open Table. Yep. Um, so this is something similar. Uh, and uh, if you just connect it to your website, then people can actually just click onto that U Reserve logo, and it gets them directly into the reservation system where people just, you don't have to call anymore. They can just you know make the reservation online. So why did you choose U Reserve over Open Table? Uh, cheaper. Okay. <laughs> Once again, I'm saving money. <laughs> yep. I'm always about trying to save that go. dollar. Awesome. Uh, with all the knowledge you know now, Chef TJ, if you could go back in time. Uh, to the time maybe when you knew you were going to commit yourself to this industry, what's one piece of advice you'd give yourself? Get out. Get out. <laughs> Get out. Um, I would have I, I liked to travel a little bit more, gain a little bit more knowledge culinary-wise. Um, you know, unfortunately, I didn't go to school. I'm old school where I've, you know, not old school, but I've, I've learned the hard way through people 
um, and, you know, mentors. Um, but I would have, I would have liked to travel a lot more, learn more about different cultures, learn more about their food, their cuisine, their people, their languages, so on and so forth. Beautiful. And, uh, what's one question I could have asked you that would have added more value to this interview? Geez, you know what, Eric, I, I don't think there was, I think you did an absolute great interview and I, I was actually really happy the way it went. Oh, down. <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, you were great too, man. This was a really, a lot of fun talking to you and we wrap up every episode by calling somebody out. So, who is one independent restaurant operator, somebody you admire? Uh, and that's how I found you. Chef Edward Men- Mendoza uh, called you out. So uh, who do you want to call out? Uh, they have to be a restaurant operator or owner? Uh, typically. Uh, I mean, I might be willing to, to step outside of uh, my world of comfort. But, you know, I, uh, no, but, and I understand. <laughs> and I know that this question was coming. And I had such the hardest time on trying to figure out um, – uh, figure out and i don't know if he's a if he's actual an owner or not but i would call out chef or i would call out uh stefan vanamitali stefan oh man it's gonna be a good one that's the gentleman you're talking about earlier today yes and he's been with the same restaurant for quite some time and i think he's a partner now so that would make him an owner would it not yeah yeah perfect beautiful look out stefan i'm coming after you i'd love to get you on the show uh and chef uh let the folks at home know uh if we're listening to this if we're in the texas area if we want to come join your team if we want to come get mentored by you what's the best way to connect uh best way to connect is to call full bellies play on word full bellies restaurant uh here in sherman texas uh 903-892-8409 um or you can look us up on our website fullbellies.com uh, we're right off the 75 freeway in Sherman, Texas, about 20 minutes south of the Oklahoma border. Uh, we, we're specialized in continental, a little bit of everything. No is not my vocabulary. <laughs> what was the question? <laughs> awesome. And uh, this, again, is episode 343. Head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 343 to find a summary of today's discussion, a link back to everything that was recommended. Uh, and... Chef, thank you again uh, just for you know taking the time to join us, uh, for being a, a shining example of somebody who chooses to be transformative and not settle on quality and to really make an impact on the lives of everyone he touches. Uh, it was a pleasure making an example of you. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable. <laughs> Thanks, Eric. I appreciate it. <laughs> Cheers. Okay, some closing thoughts on this episode. Uh, Chef TJ LaRosa. Man, uh, just a beautiful, beautiful example of somebody who chooses to go deep instead of out and to grow slowly over time and to uh, make an impact to, to really just not accept no as an answer. And you can go so far. It takes, I feel like it takes much longer. Growth happens much slower this way. But when you do grow, you're going to have so much momentum. Your roots are going to go so deep. Uh, you're going to have such a presence in your community that, you know, not only will it be harder to go away, but it's going to be so much more rewarding. So, I mean, that's just a huge lesson in this episode to, uh, to be a hands-on owner, to really make an impact on everybody you touch, uh, to grow slowly, to have that cushion of cash put away. Uh, so much great advice in this episode. Treat others like you want to be treated. Man, I can just keep on going. Uh, thank you so much, Chef TJ LaRosa, for taking the time to join us as a guest mentor. Uh, you were great. And like always, guys, please connect with me. Eric at restaurantunstoppable.com is the email. Tell me who you want to hear from. Tell me who blows your mind uh, as a mentor, as somebody who just crushes it in this industry. I'll get them on the show. We can learn from them together 
right here. Uh, social media, Eric Cacciatore. Uh, it's Eric with the C C A C C I A T O R E and Facebook slash restaurants unstoppable. I love connecting with my guests. Keep those five star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher radio coming. And this is going to be the first video, uh, like not live, but first recording that's going to be going out on YouTube. Uh, so please do subscribe to YouTube and also subscribe to iTunes guys. You get these episodes pushed directly to your phone. That's it for today. Thank you guys so much for sticking around this long. And until next time, peace out.